Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. kids do you like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino this is shake them ropes it's all a shared experience and chris you taste that people getting salty about professional wrestling yeah well no way uh big feels bad bad faith and big salt that you know what that's all wrestling is especially wrestling twitter bad faith and big feels and lots and lots of snark uh chris has a cough he's recovering from the rocking pneumonia and the boogie woogie flu quote johnny winters yeah johnny I, I, I mentioned last week that i was going to be working on top of the mountain and that was a lot of fun uh i i, I had a good time actually during the shift but i definitely like over pushed myself and i could feel it and uh then i came down with pneumonia uh in in the weekend ensuing and i'm on the uh on-ramp onto something so i'm occasionally coughing too so we apologize in advance looks like chris has a healthy stash going again are we going with the handlebar again yeah yeah the handlebar uh whatever the hell you want to call the bottom thing I forgot what I that, not, I that's I that's not a soul it, patch. It's a. It's, uh, it, I think it might be a soul patch. Is it a Van Dyke? Is that what this whole thing is? I don't know. The, the stash with the little thing under. I think it's a Van Dyke, but you know what? I'm not it, into it, it's, 20s fashion or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think basically it's like a 20s style facial thing. Yeah, I it know. is. I, I I don't really I don't really think Look, you're you're in your I don't think... vendetta phase. So. <laughs> sure man like you know if you want if you want that then we, we can have that too revolution it's all chris just doesn't need the mask it's great oh where to start where to begin well we should just begin at the beginning with the news uh lee fitting formerly from espn is wwe's new head of media and production replacing kevin dunn uh interesting hire for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, the leaks have already started coming out from uh, WWE people that uh, they're nervous because he's an outsider and some are worried he might bring in his own people. You know who's leaking that? The people Kevin he's going to be boss. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Kevin <laughs> Dunn's people. The, the, I mean, it's the people who were the beneficiaries of the Dunn regime. And there were definitely, I mean, the thing with Dunn is he made winners and losers. Yes. And there were people who definitely won big 
by being his ass kiss and they might not be at a position in their career where they can demonstrate their loyalty and you know get the favorable seating and everything like that yeah ahead. fitting is a uh, mark shapiro guy mark shapiro coming over from espn to work for tko but only fitting did not have a uh did not have a gracious exit from espn um five days before espn produce produced its first college football game of the year it parted way with the executive overseeing all college football at the network and that was lee fitting 25-year company veteran employee who oversaw college and pro football production at the network. Well, why do you read this, Jeff? This was back in August. Well, today, The Athletic, a property of the New York Times, came out with a big old investigative report on how ESPN was now in a scandal for putting and had to return about 30 Emmys because they put fake names on the Emmy nominations and then they had those fake names scratched off of the uh, off of the award and re-engraved and gave them to talent at the network. And you know who one of the people, the main people behind that scandal was, Chris? I'll give you a guess. Uh, our boy Lee Fitting. Our boy Lee Fitting. So, so I I, I like <laughs> this. So, like you're telling me for years. ESPN was nominating people like Bartleby Pendergrast. Yes. And, yeah, and you know, yes, G they, they had Timothy to, they, McMurphy, and, and just changing the names. Well, you know, it would be one of these things where it's like, okay, college game day, and here's the staff of them, and so they just kind of add a few more staff members they don't yeah, actually yeah, yeah. exist and then they yeah, give salvador kanuki you know yes. uh yeah all these sorts of people and then hey reese davis come on over here here's an emmy for you hey stuart scott come over here here's an emmy for award-winning stuart scott yes you know those not that they didn't win emmys on their own or whatever but you know for lower tier espn broadcast talent or whatever so that they can take part in being emmy winning and what yes and I laugh because you remember there was a push a couple of years ago where WWE was doing presentations wanting to win an Emmy. I think we found a way now for, for, for Emmy. Oh, I cannot wait, Chris. I cannot wait for Emmy award winning WWE Raw. Maybe they put it in with another production from TKO, like UFC something or other. They put a few fake names and then they get a fake Emmy back. They should win an Emmy for doing an entire episode as one continuous shot, and it's just the ring camera for the entire show. And so, like, all the entrances and everything don't happen. We just see them as they walk to the ring, but it's three hours of a continuous shot, an absolute television cinematic accomplishment. <laughs> Over in AEW, they have now hired a chief operating officer. Kosha Irby has been hired for the role. Served as regional director of live events for WWE from 2011 to 2018. Had been working as a chief marketing officer for Clemson University Athletics Department since February 2023. After leaving WWE, he worked as president of the Memphis Express AAF football team from June 2018 to April 2019. And he was also the chief marketing officer for Professional Bull Riders LLC from 2019 to 2023. Now, of course, Twitter being what it was and what it is. We had to go looking at Coach Irby's tweets, and of course, everybody started losing their mind <coughs> because 
Oh, Kosha Irby once called Vince McMahon a genius. Of course he did. <laughs> there, there are people who loved working for WWE who called Vince a genius. I wish AEW fans because they were panicking. Oh, this, you know, he might be a mole. <laughs> I mean, I think Vince McMahon has enemies who would call him on some level a genius. A genius. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like not again, it's not like I agree with everything he ever did or anything like that, but there's certain moves that he made that were really, you know, very clever, like very savvy. Uh and other moves that were scurrilous and not admirable in the slightest, but like they were still smart, some of them. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And like the, these are not you don't have to love someone to think they're a genius. No, definitely not. Um Mickey James. Uh let me get my notes back up here. Yeah, Mickey James. Uh, hired as creative director and head of female talent for Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, I'm fascinated by this for many reasons. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of, I guess TNA or slash Impact, there wasn't room there. And I guess maybe AEW, there wasn't room there. And WWE has, you know, they don't have anybody separate for female talent. They're all kind of together. But Molly Holly is kind of, one of the producers who really works closely with there, I I would think Mickey James would be far more in demand. Not that OVW's, you know, piddly or anything. They do have, you know, a reality show. They have other things there that they can do, but uh, yeah, Mickey James getting hired by a wrestling company and uh, her being on the market and other people not knowing about that. I think that's the most shocking thing to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, interesting that we haven't had more chatter about mickey james because especially for frankly and any number of women's divisions right now her is just coming in there as the head pen and kind of like guidance um would probably help them steady the course and get to a more consistent sort of program in that division i i still think if she wanted to wrestle she could ew should take a flyer and put her on a you know temporary basis she doesn't have to be the ace of the division but you know no but she'd be a welcome addition to the middle of the car yeah definitely yeah absolutely uh wednesday night's homecoming episode of aew dynamite averaged 797,000 viewers on tbs down 0.5 percent from last week second lowest audience but but how did it do in the demo the second lowest audience total for the show since October 25th, but it drew a 0.29 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. That's there up we go. So uh, yeah, all right. And ties the third highest rating the show has done since the October. 18th. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> AEW is back. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, a lot of people. That's would a glass rather... half full, glass half empty rating, though. You gotta admit. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, there's a lot of people who would like to get 1.5 million in just raw viewers, but they don't really think about the qualitative nature of those viewers. <laughs> are just... they good? Are they good? Are they good people? Good viewers? <clears throat> do do they have substance? And that's what the demo is all about. So it does not matter to me that AEW has a hard time breaking a million on a regular basis, Jeffrey, because the people who watch the show are good people. And that's what the demo is all about. Other various notes on ratings, et cetera. NXT 722,000 was slightly lower in their demo. 
Oh, uh huh. Raw, exactly. Raw, of course, got hammered by the national title game. And of an interesting note, Rampage outdrew Collision this week. Which I don't know. I liked the Collision. I did. I thought it was pretty good, but uh, yeah. AEW is in a really interesting place right now. They have three B shows and no A show. Wow. I don't know. I mean, they still treat Dynamite like the A show. Okay, sure. That's good. I mean, and and like, you know, it's like watching a baseball team where you have to have a best hitter on the team. And so, like, somebody's got to be it, right? (laughs) I don't know. You had a pretty good FTR uh, House of Black tag team match on on collision you have some good stars on there it's just one of those things where it just doesn't feel like appointment television week after week well you never leave dynamite wanting more it continues to be the problem like we're well, gonna get about into collision i mean no no but the, uh, suppose suppose if you will, okay Jeffrey, okay dynamite, now, uh, now, I it, now i get your point yeah okay. supposing dynamite was an a show you would leave <laughs> you would leave dynamite wanting more and then you would watch a rampage or a collision and as as we'll break down in the reviews here uh this was not a dynamite that left me wanting more this is a dynamite where it was like are are we done and then i heard rick flair come out and i didn't need to watch anymore so i i was actually <laughs> thrilled because i was like cool and i just turned that crap off and moved on with my week oh that rick flair thing I didn't even. Please. You'll have to. You'll have to fill me in. I oh, you legitimately, didn't. You didn't I see the legitimate, match at all. No, I stopped watching the second Flair came out. I'm done with him. I'm over Flair. Okay. Uh, that was a decent match. Uh, but we'll talk about it in a moment. So you said so, okay, cool. Uh, and this will bring us into the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Where we watched, we watched some classic content. Don't know if we'll note on it because both of us were talking about pre-show what we were watching, but we'll see. Uh, whatever was on this week, uh, we'll talk about. We hopefully got to it all, or at least most of it, and you know we'll delve here and there. I actually, wa- I told Chris I watched Raw live for the first time in ages because I watched Monday Night Football every week, and I had to do the Fightful show afterwards, and uh, you know it was a fun time, but it still felt long to me. Um, but starting with this, and we, I alluded to it at the top of the show. Old Tony Khan got into his feels on Twitter again. Uh, <laughs> Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. I like Raj personally, but he also picked up a bar tab of mine once, so that then inclines me to like you. Uh, <laughs> uh, noted that uh, the Jinder Mahal, uh, Seth Rollins thing is a callback to, you know, the first match for the NXT title uh, at the time. Um and so the WWE on USA account, or it was here there, the official USA Network account, I can't remember which one, um, you know, asked what the what asked what the cage match rating was for it. And this set off Tony Khan, who kind of likes cage matching, likes referring to the cage match ratings, and you know, has an affinity for the site. Um, and he's he just goes off and goes, hey. A moral victory for USA is one win more than their world title challenger Jinder Mahal has in the past 364 days. Because it's literally a full year since he won a match. You really put AEW in our place getting Jinder Mahal in a big match on your TV show. Do it more often. Of course, your boy Jeff, me, 
has to quote tweet old Tony here and remind him that uh, before the four-way on uh, in October, Abaddon hadn't even won a broadcast television match in three years, and now she's in the world title hunt. Um, I, I'm not going to be as tough in, on Tony as Chris here, I think, um, because I've been far too tough on him of late. I'm just going to say this. There's a little main character syndrome going on with Tony. And there's also, he was raised on Mr. McMahon being the face of his promotion. And also in the tech world, those inventors and those CEOs being the faces of their corporations. You know, Steve Jobs with Apple, Bill Gates with Microsoft, uh, Zuckerberg with Facebook. Musk with with Tesla. Musk with Tesla and X and SpaceX and all. No, that. and I I mean I, I actually think I mean especially for a guy like Khan probably you know he he grew up you know he came of age so to say uh, as an adult during the big Elon Musk is actually Tony Stark media BS push of 2010 through 2013, and so I think a lot of Cod's sort of stylization as the visionary and stuff is, is very Musk-like, shall we say, and not unlike his uh, his in- inspiration, a bit of that thin skin need to post online all the time crap. It's like posting rather than doing, um, which is also a trap that I kind of would feel like you know the his, his source of inspiration has fallen into. It's like so they do nothing. It's that like when they're posting like this, you're like, shouldn't you be doing something more important? <laughs> why are you looking at your phone right now? Right. Like, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, like, like, I, is your, like, why, why are you doing this? Are you clock watching and just waiting? And, oh, I just decided to come on Twitter and see what's yeah, going sit, on. Sitting in his CEO office, looking at his phone going, can't wait to get the F out of here. I hate this. Oh, uh, is it five thirty <laughs> yet? Can I, I go? Yeah, I hate it here. <laughs> Tony, you're the boss. You can leave. Go. You work here. Yeah. Like, why are you posting? <laughs> Especially to a response from a tweet from another wrestling guy. It's like, what are you doing? Are you just, <laughs> I'm scrolling my feed and I follow Raj and I, oh, I also follow WWE on USA for some reason. And it just happened to pop into my feed. <laughs> I, I mean, he, uh, clearly he must be really. Or he was name certain. He was. Keyword searching cage match on Twitter and it came up or something. I don't Con know. cage match, yeah, right. Yeah, well, like, Con wasn't even involved in it. This was talking about Jinder and, and Seth Rollins. And Con's name was never in it. He should buy cage match. Or grapple. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, no, he should just buy it so that like he he loves the wet. I mean, he loves it so much. Why don't you just buy it? That's 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 what is uh that's that's what Musk did. You and know, he like, could do great you... inflation for his match. Yeah, did they? Oh, because that would come hey, off his roll, roll 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 out a bunch of hot new changes <laughs> to make cage match way better than it's been before. Just imagine him, maybe, like... maybe change it to like match.com or cage.com. <laughs> No, Tony has a bad night one night. He goes and somebody has like ranked like a 
Trent Beretta versus Action Andretti match like a five out of ten. <laughs> Damn you! I'm buying the company. <laughs> That's at least an eight point four. And he buys cage oh, match. Wildly he... overpays for cage match. <laughs> and he starts doing the what's the what's the name of a uh, of Mitch Romney's burner. <laughs> Pierre Delecto or whatever. He starts creating burner accounts for reviewing mess matches and stuff. So he can bring the average of AEW matches up. Ron yeah. Mexico, like Michael Vick used to use as his hotel name. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, this, <laughs> I, the issue is that he keeps putting himself in yes. situations. This is not, I, <laughs> I do it it's, to protect the boys. <laughs> no, it, it, no, you do. The boys don't need your. What you know? What that is? You like when he does that crap? It is Tony Khan doing that cleaner. I got this meme from several <laughs> years ago. Only as the CEO, yeah. like cleaner. I got this. Uh, yeah, like actually, like the boys are fine. They they can handle their own social medias. All of you need to get off of it. Like. I mean, go AEW dark on social media for two months, please. <laughs> uh, your turn, sir. Uh, let's talk about Raw. Okay. Um, pretty good show, honestly. Uh, yeah, like from top from top to bottom. I it, when the next segment would come up, and I would have doubts about it. It over delivered. Like like just as as a quick quick one here, Caden Carter and uh, Katana Chance versus Piper Niven and Chelsea Green was an extremely well-worked match. That was an entertaining match with, like, good, like, in-match storytelling and stuff, quality mistake. Chelsea Green gets a visual three, but the ref's out of position. There's a miscommunication between the heel team where one of the – I mean, like, a lot of, like, novel little beats inside of that match that made that match worth watching and have I some absolutely- value howled at the spot where katana brings out caden to escape the piper niven avalanche and she lands on chelsea now i know there were some people complaining it was a convoluted spot but it worked for me oh no it worked and it was in service of this match where piper (laughs) niven quietly was the weak link here chelsea green almost had the titles won back yeah yeah, yeah like, like she was the competent one. That was the other thing that I liked about this. And and this kind of gets into a bigger, more expansive thought that I have about WWE right now, which is that there's a lot, especially like Raw's a really nice sample of this, a lot more subtle booking and nuanced booking and nuanced beats and matches and a lot less straight template in the matches. And it makes the show breathe so much more. Uh, Drew McIntyre's a great character. Drew, Drew McIntyre is fantastic. Yeah. Drew McIntyre is a character that Vince McMahon could never in a thousand years have come up with. Like this, this iteration of Drew, it, with the combination of motivations um, and and things, uh, the confluence of emotions that are that are running through McIntyre. Interesting, fun, good character. Um, our truth and the Judgment Day. Oh, they, have, they have found the right balance with. The Judgment Day is still a legitimate, tough faction that no one thinks is goop. They are not the undisputed kingdom. They are still very much a legitimate faction. And yet you have our truth that they're thinking like, and what makes it work in a lot of cases is the way that Damian Priest is basically like, 
this shit's so stupid, guys. I'm not worried about this. Like, he amuses me. Let's let him be like, amusing till he's not. Right. Like, like it's like you can tell the mightiness of the whale by the size of the. I actually think that might set that might set up Damian Priest eventually saving our truth from the beating he's gonna get, and that might be how they get the face turn in there. Because it feels like Damien's going to turn and then Drew's going to replace him in, in the Judgment Day. But I've been thinking about, you know, why doesn't Damien Priest and all these other guys, they get so mad and they never beat up our truth. But it feels like the empathy from Priest is going to be the thing that makes him decide he's going to save our truth. But I want to go back to something else you were saying because of the salty and stuff. There's a lot of competency in both baby face and heel on this show because you had drew drew has his has his grudges but he's consistent in his grudges he's the bad guy with a point um i'll, I'll get to that promo a little later because there was a problem with the promo when cm punk came out but overall it was good from drew's point of view until they started talking about well i'll get to it now until they started talking about office politics and I needed somebody to lead me through this locker room. It's like, why? We hear WWE is the greatest place on earth to work. Why does he, you know, it becomes executive vice presidents arguing about the corner office. I don't like those types of promos. But you had also the, in the Gargano Ciampa, or I mean, in the Ciampa, um, uh, who'd Ciampa? Uh, Balor. Balor match where where Gargano, after after all the chicanery and stuff, also helps, uh, um, uh, Chapa cheat to win and and pull one out. Competent baby faces. You kind of like it. They're getting screwed, so they decide to screw the bad guys. That's cool. Um, uh, the Kaiser Kofi match, which turned into a weird early '90s chop fest for a few moments, and I really dug. But they got that over delivered massive. Oh, like that whole that segment was, was awesome. It was, was great. great, and then and then it was Kaiser- really good it looked like they screwed something up with the steps and I thought they had messed something up with the steps. And so Kaiser's leaving and whatnot. And you go, okay, they're not doing the step spot. And all of a sudden he runs around to the side where the security isn't drop kicks Kofi in the head. I was like, okay, they got me on that one. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. No, a, a lot of competency within the characters and, and the logic stuff. So kudos to the quality control of WWE. I'll get to my other points in a moment, but uh uh, wait, oh, I want to do one last thing. That that R-Truth segment is fantastic comedy. Oh, so, so funny. The baby picture alone. <laughs> the baby judgment day. <laughs> Effing killed me, man. <laughs> like, the, the, the sheer defiance of math. Like, like the art that, that, like, a lot of times with R-Truth lines, you just think of the dumbest thing that he could possibly say, and that's what he says. But, like, I mean, him saying, ever since I was a baby, I wanted to be a member of the Judgment Day, is, like, it, it's it's so deliciously incoherent. Well, not it's just so- that, that there's, there's other denials of reality. Like, now that JD's no longer part of the Judgment Day. Judgment Day, right. Yeah, that's right. the other thing. <laughs> I, no, he's right. JD lost the match. He's out. Like, but, but he's not. He's still at all the meetings. And no, he lost the match. And then turning the judgment day into your friends is like, hey, if you guys ever need to talk. That's the other. The I other want people thing, to come up to him and go, hey, you know, our truth is misunderstanding. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, his misunderstanding of like the Judgment Day is people fundamentally is really good. Yes, like thinking that like Judgment Day is a place where like if you want to talk, like if you ever need a shoulder <laughs> to cry on, if you need a friend, that's what we're here for. Like we love you. Like, Therapist or something like we, that. We don't say it like that, but we love you. Like, come on by, have some coffee. We'll have a chat. Yeah. Get it all. <laughs> like, I just, I'm thinking of who, if Chelsea Green knocks on the door and says, "Look, I'm really frustrated with my tag partner. You know, I got a lot of issues at home right now." <laughs> just re- what are you doing? Oh, our true said I could stop by to talk anytime. I thought you guys were down for that. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, your turn, uh, sir. Yeah. Man, okay, so I guess that basically covers all of Raw. Like Raw was just. I like, have one really... more thing for Raw if you want. Oh. If you want to Raw. Okay, I mean, like the Ivor versus Otis match was another. Really That's funny. where I was gonna go, man. This oh match, yeah. When you have a move that where Otis afterwards gives a big thumbs up, and you've popped Wade Barrett over on commentary because Wade lost his crap on the springboard catch into a body slam by otis here and i and i was just so full of happiness listening to wade try and compose himself after being absolute absolutely marking for that spot i, I there there's those moments that are legitimate in commentary that make <coughs> me happy and that was one of them. yeah this is a big dude match and it looks like ivar's getting a mini push uh, they this was the most consistent top to bottom raw show in a long time i'm not saying it's the best but like it started at a level and it just stayed at that level the whole way like you know if i was gonna get you know out on a raw scale out of 10 it's like it started at a seven and it stayed at at least a seven for the entire show i was slightly disappointed in the cody nakamura street fight um only because they didn't treat it like a street fight. They treated it like a wrestling match that was no DQ. Yeah. Cody, Cody knows better. He needs to bring those knee pads over blue jeans and the weight belt and things that, like that, that. That's fair. That's fair. And, like, I, it it wasn't bad, but you're right. It wasn't. I it did like the cartoons. Really... I like the cartoons for the, for the graphic setup. I don't know if they've been doing that in recent weeks because I haven't been watching that way. But I swear to God, the Cody cartoon looked exactly like Okada, too. It's. Like, there's a lot of positive developments in the post-McMahon era of WWE television. And it seems like one thing we talked about is, like, you know, one of our big stories is the end of McMahon. And, you know, what does it portend for writing going into 24? And, like, I don't know. I'm at least hopeful that this year is going to be a pretty unbalanced, solid year of WWE television. Um, But that, of course, brings us to AEW television. (laughs) Ah, uh, Jeffrey. I will. I will take a back seat and let you talk for a while. Ah, uh, let us talk about our friends in the undisputed kingdom. <laughs> okay. Every week, Jeff, we are going to get the same promo from now until the end of this faction. Adam Cole has exactly one promo. there's there's some degree of colorization to it but it's always the same tone 
Uh, obviously, he has to change the substance. Does he say Samoa Joe? Does he say MJF? Yada, yada. But he's doing the exact same stuff he was doing in the Undisputed Era. And don't let the appeals to homage fool you. This is limitation. This is not, oh, I'm very astutely invoking <laughs> your favorite NXT faction, the Undisputed Era. No, no, no. This is that the well does not have much at the bottom of it. And this time I'm playing with the much thinner deck of he doesn't get to levels in the in the promo at all. It's always and it's always the same timbre and the same, you know, range of it. He never I mean it's never really rage and anger at anybody when he's a heel or or any you know, there's no depth to his heel them. That's the problem. He's a leader of a faction, he's charismatic and people like him. And I I it, it's it's well who's a better tag team, Jeff? Red Dragon or the Kingdom? Oh, Red Dragon. Right. Okay. So then the Undisputed Kingdom is just a step down cover band. It's like firing two of the members and replacing them and you know, like, like in the band with guys who play similar but less good. I have gotten into AEW brain a little bit to the point where I have convinced myself that now on week two of hammering home that he's basically bullying Wardlow. <laughs> to forfeiting a title if he wins one that either Wardlow is going to take out Adam Cole and run this faction or that he's 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 actually aligned with Joe and he's going to to eventually be the guy to to help Joe against this faction when they decide to go after him it's 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 either preposterous that they're doing this or they're stupid. And I can't tell which one it is. And, and, and um, my co-host on the other show, when I pointed this out goes, well, they're probably stupid. <laughs> it's like, why are we already teasing one guy in the faction, not belonging in the faction? Yeah. He's already not as engaged with it. It's he's making clear. faces and it's like, ah, oh, geez. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then we get to the kind of the meat of the show. Most of this show was this annoying four man match stuff. I, I find this, I find these eight mans to be bloodless and pointless and like all samey. Like they, they, it's the same match. We start off, everybody, you know, kind of tags in and out, gets a little quick exchange with everybody. Then eventually we get to the clear out spot. Then we get into the, everybody hits the high impact move spot. And then we get to the one guy gets isolated and pinned spot. Like every time the super indie party match style. I, it, it made this show this, I mean, the difference <laughs> between raw and dynamite in terms of quality w was pretty vast. Uh, I mean, you know, why is Roderick strong having a competitive match against Brian Keith? What is the point of this to what end? Why is Brian Keith in a match where there's no bounty involved? He is a right. bounty hunter. I, I, I also had this question of like, should this not essentially be like the story here should have been fairly simple that 
Keith went to MJF and said, hey, what's it worth to you? Uh, and MJF made an offer. But, but, you know, like, but I am told that it's not actually a character. It's just a label. It's a gimmick in a costume. He is just the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. He is not an actual bounty hunter in AEW or anywhere else. He is just a guy with a nickname and a, and I was and I okay we're we're in agreement on that. The no, no 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 like a wrestler can't come out and say that they have a gimmick. Yes, I agree. I the, no, 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 like 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 this really bothers me, Jeff. It bothers like, me like, too. Like, I, like, I love like, Brian like, Keith. I think he should like be a bounty hunter. Becoming too self-aware, like it's like this meta thing of like no 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 like I dress like that, but that's just. That's just my thing. That's like, just you know, a cover for me crying inside the No, it's not. You're a bounty hunter. Get your ass out there. It, it would be like, like the, the members of the varsity club coming out and saying that they hadn't actually been to college, that they're just wearing <laughs> jackets out of. Iowa. I was just a big fan of Syracuse. Says yeah. I mean, the, the, this jacket just fits well, man. Oh, oh, geez. Like, I hate that. I, I like, hate I that act, too. I actively hate that. I, like, I, it, he was should lose. Right? Are you telling but, me the guns did not both go to Sam Houston State on a rodeo scholarship? I would rather commitment to that crap than like them to know that that's not true. Yeah. as characters. Yeah, like well, I was I, see the character didn't tell me that. Somebody on another show told me that. It's like, oh no, it's just a nickname for Brian Keith. It's like no, right. I, no, no. I but he dresses like it. That's actually a gimmick. And like like it should be a character. Like he he dresses. It, it both to the ring and then in the match in a cowboy like like bounty hunter like outfit. This is stupid. I want to circle good. back to the eight person matches because there they was suck. something. That, well, there was not only that, but there was something that they needed to do in both those matches, and that is give me an excuse for why Preston Vance is a babyface, even in the you know, LA. Because remember, we're wrestling to honor Brody Lee. What was the last thing we saw? Preston Vance do when he was a member of the dark order ripped his mask off and made negative one cry. We need some sort of storytelling where he goes to negative one and apologizes and gives him a hug so that we can get emotionally invested in this. We also need an excuse for why Anna J who has been aligned with the JAS this entire time or the remnants of it, still kind of heelish at times, is now a now with Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and and uh, uh, who was the, oh uh, uh, Thunder Rosa, and just a vignette, something, something to make her, uh, to, to give an emotion emotional resonance that we need to like this person in this match because she's gonna be the sympathetic one getting the pin and instead what we're getting is on commentary well you know what handpicked by bro by brody lee handpicked by brody lee handpicked by brody this is a tell and not show and i want the show part and it made no sense in some ways because it made the match it's like why why would these three people team up with preston vance to then go up against <laughs> the gates of agony and and brian cage you know it's 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 lazy is what it is Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, I think just merely saying that this person's friends with Brody Lee and is, you know, th therefore we should, you know, be connected with them. That's not enough. I, I think what would actually go a long way 
to connect us, the viewers, to some of these nuanced moves is to show recent cagematch.com ratings to <laughs> Anna G and Preston Vance matches. Well, I mean, it, it goes to just general storytelling for me because you had Hangman Page looking for a fight all last week. I'm looking for a fight, looking for a fight, looking for a fight. Claudio, they play this vignette on, on Collision where it's like, oh, you wanted a fight? All you had to do was ask. We're going to have a fight. On, on Wednesday at Dynamite. What do we do? Both guys come out looking with their mean face, grr, and a wrestling match breaks out with a big swing. And so instead of a brawl or something like that, a walking brawl or something, we're, we're, we're getting a Claudio wrestling match for the most part with, with, with people trying to set up the, uh, or with Hangman trying to set up the, uh, the buckshot. It's like, no, this should be a fight. You both said it was going to be a fight. I want a fight. And they didn't. They just gave me a decent three-star match, three-and-a-half-star match, maybe. I, I, You know, it's one of those things where you just – I get mad at that stuff. But I've been snarking a lot on this, Chris. I no, to... so I got – I got go I've got go ahead, a go positive ahead. note here. So did I. Joe, Joe as champion. Yes. Joe as champion is is very, very solid. Like, like look, if you, again, if you just – tabula rasa this and pretend that you have not been watching this crap for the last year and you just tuned in this week and you saw joe as your champion he looks like your effing champion that new belt looks nice clean black is the black is real clean like the the appointments and stuff on the black uh, belt look good um i thought that his engagement with swerve and his engagement with page was good yes uh, i i I even like him just coming out there going, oh, yeah, there's a championship committee. You submit to the championship committee, and you'll get your match with me. No and more of your ho-ass comments. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and the reason that's going to happen is because I'm going to shut you the hell up, and then you're going to go back to the back of the line after you get out of the hospital. I, I maintain that Joe is the only AEW champ they've ever had. I also maintain he's also the only world champion in any other company. He is the only world champ. Period. That's all I want. I, I just want a guy who looks good in a suit, and I think he can kick my butt. That's all I want. That's all I want in a, in a world champion. That's, that is literally all I want is a guy who looks good in a suit, kind of cool, and, uh, and and just kicks ass. And that's Com all I want. Company commitment and health concerns always remain the question marks with Samoa Joe. We know this about him. But look, uh, does he have, dare I say it, kind of a Bachwinkle sort of aura of, yeah, like like the quality promo articulate and like a real aura of in-ring menace The about cool, him. calm, mid-80s flair, too. I mean. Yeah, yeah and, and, and well, I was thinking more of like kind of the elder statesman champion where you still took their matches and like their style. Bachwinkle was such a good wrestler, even in like his like 40s um, and like early 50s. Yeah. But, yeah, like. His matches still have intrigue, even if they're a little bit slower paced. He's articulate, and most importantly, he feels like the effing champion. And I think that really matters. Uh, the hangman I, I, in between his match and coming out for this promo looks like he grew two weeks worth of beard. But my God, he's looking more and more like Magnum TA every friggin' day. Also, he looks like he's like the beard frames his face in a way where he looks substantially older. Like Silas uh, Young almost. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's you know he it's the difference between thirty and forty. Yes. on him. Yeah, yeah, he looks forty with the beard. Yes, he and, does. Yeah, it's, it's not a, good for him. 
Oh, really? You like the you like the more youthful look, huh? not the grizzled look. You know, actually, I'll take that back. I think. Okay, yeah, you're selling me on this. It's kind of like a. Because I, I, mean, I mean, like Magnum was like thirty or something like that, but he looked like thirty, or he looked like forty-five at times. Five, yeah, he always looked forty-five. Yeah, yeah, I know. Arn Arn Anderson the same. I mean, maybe, maybe some age on this guy will make him more of a legit. He could be a you less know, that, cowboy. I, I actually, you're talking me into this. Like he might very well just need the seasoning of age. Like that actually might hold them in good stead. Okay, so let me tell you what happened in the main event segment because you've stopped watching. I'm I'm just not gonna watch Flair stuff. I have no. I, I get in, well. Flair was. I, over- no, I don't want to watch the energy drink pimp. Well, no, no, no. Flair didn't say anything. He, he he was introduced first, and then Sting and Darby came out. No, no, I know, but he's an energy drink pimp now, at I, best. It's not and even I'm, a good energy drink, for God's no, sake. You know, not everything could be Steven Seagal's lightning bolts, Jeff. Oh, God, is that a drink? That was a drink about 20 years ago. It was one of the greatest energy drinks ever made. Uh, I believe the other one was called the Asian Experience. And I, yeah, two, there are two. Yeah, there are two flavors called. What was Lightning Bolt? And I believe the moving on. Called. Here's what happened. Yeah, you had Darby and Sting come out, and then you had a team straight out of 1990 WCW with Kanosuke Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs, and they had a 1992 Hoss fight or 1990 Hoss fight type of vibe to it with Takeshita once again throwing Darby all over the place and Sting and Hobbs walking and brawling all over the place in a moment that would made even you laugh because it was so pathetic. Ric Flair crawls into the ring on his knees on the apron, gets into the ring gingerly, tries to chop Hobbs, and Hobbs just no-sells it twice and then gets an eye poke for his troubles. Uh, and then, and then, as this walking brawl continues, you you watch Flair gingerly get out of the ropes and get down on his knees and get down on the floor and do nothing for the rest of the match, which is dumb. But then uh, Sting has uh, Hobbs on on the rafters and does a, a scorpion death drop through two tables, bumps his head, and so they win the match because it's a falls count anywhere match. And so for the final match in Greensboro. For Sting, it's going to be Sting and Darby versus the Young Bucks, who come out in the most douchey mustaches ever, uh, pea coats, one white, one navy blue, I think, or whatever. Looking, it, it, they were cosplaying something. I don't think it was Spy versus Spy, which a lot of people are saying it was something else from a movie or something like that. But they look like the biggest douchebags on earth. Nothing is said. They just stare at each other. So we're just assuming that they are the uh, opponents for Greensboro, which I think. So, that, so that's how uh, Dynamite ended. The only, I think the only match we didn't get to was that Ricky Sammy one, which was just. You know, it's so weird. Like Starks and Sammy Guevara are like mirror images of each other where they've been turned so many times. And the crowd feels the same way. Yeah. They don't really know if they want to boo Ricky they don't really know if they want to cheer Sammy and it makes the match really heatless. No, this match was heatless. It was dull. And then it was to set up. Why is Sammy Guevara shaking hands with Ricky Starks, who has been a heel for four or five months? I don't care if you put over that they're friends in real life. 
or whatever. <laughs> I, the most lo- you, actually, you want to know the way to spin out of the tailspin for both of these guys? Align them together. Uh, uh, actually, like and with Big Bill because I love yeah, I love be, the yeah, Bill no, yeah, actually get them all th- all three of them together. Maybe that's the way you clean this crap up. Have them uh, beat down Jericho to the oh. tears of many. Although they'll be playing Judas the entire time, so you don't hear any boos. Yeah, yeah the, the nerds will still be singing Judas as they're booing him. They're like, boo, Judas <laughs> in my mind, Judas in my mind, boo. Chris Jericho and Sting are both aping New Jack all the time now. <laughs> Jericho with the music and Sting from Jumping Off High Things. <laughs> It was a, but it was a smart cover or attempted a cover. To cut, they had, they had thought that Jericho was going to get booed, so that's why they played the music the entire time. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I know. Like, like there, and and heaven forbid Chris Jericho get booed. I mean, this is a wrestling show, Jeffrey. Well, he's a You're... baby face. We can't boo a baby face. <laughs> this is a wrestling show. We don't boo the talents. We give them love and encouragement and say, both yeah. these guys, both these guys. Both these guys, clap, uh-huh. clap, 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 clap. Both these guys. And, and both this these is awesome. guys. Yeah. yeah. Fight forever. <laughs> I like anything that claps like dog show. Like that. Fight forever. Fight forever. I'll go. I'll do one note from Collision. I liked the. FTR House of Black match. I just thought the stipulation was stupid. <laughs> if 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 FTR loses, they have to leave the ones they love and go to the House of Black. So they do this match in Charlotte. Dax's daughter, who is way too smart to be watching this, absolutely no selling everything. While the wife looks on worried, and then they get the crap beat out of them in their hometown after the match because they they win, but still the House of Black just takes them out. But I liked the match overall, and. uh are, are you? I'll, 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 I'll hit a little NXT for you right quick. Well, I'm gonna get into NXT, but uh, I actually like the idea of the golden, uh, the 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 uh, the Bullet Club Gold and the Acclaim being a faction. But you know, this is just setting up for a turn, right? I kind of want it though. I kind of want the Acclaim back being heels. Maybe. Um... I don't know. I mean, I guess it might lead to the refeud between the Bullet Club and the Acclaimed again. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Do all I, the guns I, have to work with each other always, though? I mean, <laughs> in the ring? I think they like that. Okay. I, I yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, like, the answer is in a different company, no. But, like, I think they like doing that. So I, I could see that kind of going that way. All right, we can move um, to NXT. Yeah. Uh, okay, look, uh, Broad Breaker continues <laughs> to absolutely have friggin' charisma, man. Like that guy, he's special. He's good. Uh, like uh, he, he, he might be my favorite Steiner ever. Like, like, uh, like I, I, I think I, I moved past how I like. I like, and I'm more of a Rick guy than a Scott guy. Yes. Yeah, I'm more of a Rick guy than a Scott guy. Breaker. Damn it! If he doesn't do ever, he kind of is like both of them, only more athletic. 
I wish he had a cousin that was also a Steiner that he could team with. Oh, I know, right? Or, I mean, I guess you could just find him a good tag team partner, too. But, like, let them be absolute Wolverines together. But, like, dude, he's great. Um, You know, I'm not saying, like, the Baron Corbin part of this was anything. But, like, it looks like, if anything, Breaker's going to eventually turn on Corbin when they lose this. And we might be turning Breaker back face, which I think is interesting. I don't know if they turn them. They're kind of doing the same story that Corbin did with Samoa Joe in the first Dusty Classic. The two heels that get together. Right, right, um, right. Putting them against Gallus was interesting. It was. This was that, this was straight out of like Steiner's versus Varsity Club or Steiner's versus Doom. You know that that early '90s WCW hoss fight crap that they used to do all the time. I don't no, mean crap. I don't mean crap in the bad way. This was crap in a good way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this is good. I need to uh, say how disappointed I was. And how bad the comedy of the Tiffany Stratton goes to the farm bit was. And I think the failure of it was that there was absolutely jokes. There was used some more poop jokes. There was absolutely no truth in it to. uh, To anchor it down, you know, to give it some sort of. You know. And then this thing that's bad happens type of thing. I mean, she comes showing up in the Barbie outfit and you're like, no, that's a bad call. And it, it's nothing but poop jokes and, and, oh, my high heels won't work at the farm. It's like, of course they won't work at the farm, you dope. You know? <laughs> it, 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 it was camp on camp on camp. And it never really heightened to the point of being funny camp. And I really... It was no Von Erichs after, or no uh, Jimmy Garvin and Precious have to work at the Von Erich farm. It, it wasn't that at all. It never even got close to that level of of funny for me, and I, I was I was disappointed. They I were be they were dragged. No, they, they dragged. They they all. I mean, they came in there with one joke. She's gonna dress in a pink cowgirl outfit. And, and fall that, and poop. She's gonna fall, fall and poop. poop. That's that, the that's, only that, joke. That they was had. the only joke they had. Like, like not and not a not a lick of inspiration. There was no there was no real begrudging respect moment that ever happened, and that that could then get ruined by something stupid either. I mean, it was just it it was bad. Yeah, I, like like week one, it there should have been like at least a beat where it seems like they almost respect each other. Yeah, and like they didn't even like it, this this was uninsp. It's so funny because it's the same team that brought you that great R two truth segment this week. Uh, wrote this and this stunk it stunk up the house um i like josh briggs yeah i think josh yeah josh briggs is larry it looks legitimate and like i i think he's just he he is a good he's a good you know mid-card guy like, i want I, him I, and dijack to be a team after after that iron man challenge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they were like the skyscrapers man they were great i love them that was that was the best thing I'd saw. It's like, yes, I want two big tall dudes just destroying geeks. That's all I want out of a tag team sometimes. And then outside of that, I I, I didn't think that this show had like a, a whole lot. Oba Femi is your North American champ. That's way too soon for that belt to be on him. I I I I I saw that, and I was like, oh no, they're gonna do it, aren't they? Like uh, like and. I guess there's one other note I have. Lexus King, it's amazing that they've turned Brian Pillman Jr. into a good promo. Like, 
he had no charisma back up. Remember, like, uh, like his the BPJ guy on AEW when he was, like, uh, the Varsity Blondes. Yeah. That, that character sucked. He had no. no charisma at all. Like, Lexus King is an annoying character, but that's part of the design. And I think Pillman's not bad at being that character. He's gotten produced really, really well. And you know yeah. who, I mean, when you watch him in the ring now, because he's not as cut as he used to be. Uh, I kind of like that aspect of him too. I like the. I like. I like the. You know uh, who he looks like in the ring. If you if you if you don't see the face, he looks like Chris Jericho. A little bit, yeah. He also reminds me a bit of Omega. It's like Omega and Jericho kind of synthesized together, and that's the Lexus King character. Uh, I really liked uh, knowing that. Uh, I, I, I watching the uh, Chase U vignette with JC Jane and 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 uh, Thea, but one of the extras in there was a. Uh, Maddie Renkowski, who uh, had had a bunch of uh, I, I, we talked about her signing. She she was on a lot of AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. She originally had a braid, and then people thought she was glomming off of Bianca. Uh, she's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, these vignettes, <laughs> this Chase U story is going nowhere for me. In terms nowhere. Of it's the same thing with the D'Angelo's. It's like they had no idea what the hell they were doing when they wrote those story beats. And now they've arrived at week six and they're like, holy crap, we have made the D'Angelo's and Chase you very stupid with no clear way of getting them back on track. Like, I mean, I guess you could send Andre Chase to therapy for two weeks and he comes oh, back a changed man. Some crap like that. But I do, I do no, like the Nathan Frazier uh, Axiom team, though. Too. I like, uh, no, I, I, those guys have good screen chemistry too. Like, yeah. like they do. Yeah, they do. They work. They work well off of each other. And Frazier's found a good character. Like, like yeah, Fra Frazier has found this baby face character. Uh, I, I guess I'm very sympathetic to this. Where it's like the baby face character who like has this tendency to like voice his opinion about people too quickly and like sometimes too frankly and like it gets a bit of trouble i'm very sympathetic to this character uh so no this one this one hits home i'm rooting for nathan i, I want him to win the championship this year uh something random that you like that wasn't uh modern let's do that and get out okay uh i mean this week i've been in in terms of retro stuff just kind of going through old Roddy Piper stuff and my revisitation of Piper as a promo this is one that has not gotten better with age it's like machos I think I like more as I get older honestly I, like I, there's a compositional quality to all of his that I now appreciate and, and I think you could really see the difference between machos style of promo and Piper's style of promo yes both come in with high energy yes there's probably drugs involved in both but the difference is that Poffo clearly sat and thought out a large chunk. Like, like, yeah, there's the occasional one that's like really winged, but like, you know, when he'll pick a song or whatever and work an entire promo around a song, and that stuff is great. Now, Piper's promos, on the other hand, are like not structured at all. It's just him at ten, kind of flying around, which. Um, certainly when he's not wrestling someone who's white becomes extremely problematic in relatively short order. Um, albeit with this, like there's this occasional like 
self-aware thing that he does that I've found very endearing where he likes to point out how like his opponents wear skirts and dresses and stuff. And like, and it's very, like very much with this awareness that he's wearing a kilt. Like like, he, he's the one who, but he always likes to like project that onto other people. Um, the the I, I, difference with, okay I'll let no, you know. go ahead no 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 you go ahead, there, go ahead. There, I, I like when you watch savage and especially in the uh ones where like he's doing like the pre-tapes with okerland yeah the beat goes on i could see him because like because like now that you know some stories and you know his process you can kind of see him backstage you know taking in the room like kaiser soze all right what prop am i going to take out there to then bring this thing, you know, like the, the cup of coffee or or the newspaper, or he'd always have a prop with him and do that uh, type of thing. And you could, you, you, once you understand the process and then that was what was then fueling him to think of the next thing. It's genius. Piper does this thing that, that once you hear it, it'll drive you nuts. Cause he's, he, he he's talking, he's talking, <laughs> you know, he's always breathing in. And and during that moment, he's breathing in like half a second. He's trying to think of the next thing to say, and he's it's just coming out of his mouth. But but it's very coordinated in terms of you know every two seconds he's going to breathe through his mouth and chest, and you're going to hear it on on the mic, and it gives a certain staccato ness to the promo, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah uh, but I, it, but it also comes at the expense of the content sometimes. Yes. yes. Um. He he pipers stuff again i'm aware he's on drugs so if you're like revving up to tell me that's the cocaine chris duh <laughs> uh, uh, like but like piper's promos suffer from this thing where like he is just chugging way too fast and so you don't actually get the latent content very well or he will fumble one line in the middle of the promo sometimes a structural one or like sometimes right at the end like, like there's one that he did that, you know, it's a good, it's a pretty good promo. And he's like, you know, he's like, last time I beat you within an inch of your life. And this next time I'm going to take you the whole inch. And like, that can't <laughs> possibly be the right way. Like to stick the landing on that one. Uh, I am a fan of Tom Green's uh, deep cuts WCW Twitch stream that he does every Tuesday. And this week he had one that uh, reminded me of something I had long forgotten during the Watts era of WCW. Bill liked giving guys time and he liked giving guys chances. And he did this thing on WCW Saturday night called Battle of the Underdogs. Yeah. Where he yeah. would where he would take two prelim guys and let them have have, you know, a, a five to ten minute match to show them what they could do outside of getting killed by a Vader or barbarian or, you know, the midnight express. So, you know, it was like Bob cook and jumping Joey mags and Joey mags would finally get a win or some of the, you know, those types of guys. And I always like, if we actually had actual enhancement talent anymore, that'd be fine. But all of your enhancement talent are your mid card now. And it really kind of makes me miss that third part of the hierarchy in the wrestling. Est- the established lower tranche. The guy, yeah. the guy who's actually also kind of there, almost. I mean, he's competent as a wrestler, but he's there kind of to play the role of audience member. If you were brought in 
to the ring, what would these guys do to you? Like a little pudgy, maybe a little balding, not really all that cut, you know, or, or, you know, they're, they're young and they're green and they really don't know what they're doing in there, but you know, they may have potential and they just get absolutely obliterated week after week after week. So that when it's a, when they get a win or they get an opportunity, it's a big deal if they get a win. Uh, yeah, I, I miss that about professional wrestling in general. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's a problem that everyone wants to be a mid-card talent because then eventually what ends up happening is you just end up with no floor or ceiling. Everything's just mid. Well, this is this is WWE's fault uh, for the most part because once they start, yeah, no, no, about, they 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 don't believe they never believed in establishing anything with those enhancement matches. Well, they guys. they ate those guys alive when they yeah. decided they were going to go live on Raw every week or every other week, and that it was to and and that what what we needed to do was show these guys, uh, you know, main event matches every week from home. So your mid card guys. Went, I mean, your 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 jobber class went to the mid card guys. So you, it's guys like Bob Holly, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know Damian Demento who probably deserves to get beaten something. Like but I mean, he'd be a monster in any other company. Where I mean, like ten years earlier, he'd be the guy killing some dude to get into a feud with Hogan, type of a thing. It it's it was just it it ate wrestling alive. And then WCW basically did that with the Luchadors. You know, okay, the Luchadors. You know, they're going to have this great high-flying match, and then if we ever put them in something of importance, they're going to get killed type of a thing. They never really got a chance to show off how... I mean, they got a chance to show off how great they were with each other, but not down. No, no, and, and what's funny is that they, at that time, too, like, if we're talking 96, 97, this is still when WCW Saturday Night was alive and kicking, and so they actually had their established The Gamblers uh, one of my all-time favorite. Shows. I love the gambler, man. The gambler rules. The gambler's amazing. Because <laughs> I also uh, use that for my belt him, belt him. <laughs> well, for my short-lived in '92, I used a very similar gimmick. Uh, when I was trying to get into wrestling, and then I was, and then I started doing fantasy wrestling, and so that was my gimmick as well. I always liked the riverboat gambler gimmick. It never has wrestler. there been an extra in a television show who has been more fond of his screen time than the gambler who would like come down and clearly drag out the entrance oh, yes. the cards at the camera like yeah, over and over and over and talking a bunch in the ring and getting his promo in oh they're not going to give him a microphone but it doesn't matter because he's prepared to talk he's the jack evans he's the jack evans are of that day I love it. No, like, I mean, they had, so they did actually have that, like, kind of, like, arrangement of talents. Um, of kind of maybe the champion of the enhancement talents at that point was Bobby Eaton, who did occasionally yes. actually, who did occasionally actually have matches against the Luchadors, too, um, which were kind of interesting. Like, he has a match against Mysterio. Well, all those uh, guys from that tag team era were brought in kind of, because there was a, there was a period when they were bringing in, like, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton yep, and, yep. and and Tommy Rogers and Bobby yep. Fulton to lose to like uh the 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 faces of fear or to Nash and Hall and stuff. And it was almost like and, and also uh oh Diamond and Tanaka, but I don't think they teamed. I think they were just kind of prelim guys because uh Pat Tanaka he, was just he was just a singles guy at that point. Enos and Bloom, yeah. But I mean he but yeah. but Bischoff was bringing in his old AWA cronies to then lose to to this quote-unquote new generation, although Barbarian had been around for an eternity, you know, and so had Ming. But yeah, uh, 
nobody ever disliked the gambler. I don't think I've ever met anybody who disliked the gambler. Everybody who knows who the gambler is had fond memories of him for some reason. I was wondering, why wasn't he pushed more? It's amazing to me that that guy has that much appeal given how little he did in wrestling. He was, he's just, he was charismatic. Charismatic, right? like, charismatic. Yeah, no, far, it, it, he, he, like you, you know, we watch a lot of these guys, right? And there's something about the gambler, this skinny, balding man with this confident, ah, ha, ha, he looks, smirk. he looks about 42. Even yeah, though I think he was in his mid thirties, thirties, mid thirties, looks like 42. Um, but just absolutely embodied the gimmick. Um, and had just like, yeah, he had like an aura thing about him. Like I, you know, I, I dig that WCW did have that stuff. It's just like, I mean, again, I, I mean, obviously there's like 8 million podcasts about this. I'm not treading any new water. When you go back and you look at 96 and 97 and you see all the, all the different levers that Bischoff actually had to pull there. Um, they really had just an unbelievable array of options. Uh, in terms of presentation and like they, you know, for, for all the hits, they could have gotten even more out of it. It's, it's they really should really have pushed cool. Zan Panzer. That was the big problem with WCW, but, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, I liked, uh, El Kinek. They could have, uh, they could have pushed El Kinek more. I think in Bl- that Blitzkrieg is always Bl- the Bl- proper answer. Blitzkrieg. Yeah. Blitzkrieg not properly pushed. And it there. This has been Shake the Rounds. You can follow me on X slash Twitter, Elon Musk's X slash Twitter at Crap Game 13. Well, yeah, because, you know, if you get some porn guys, X. Yeah, it's a different That's thing. That's almost gotten me in trouble at work, by the way. <laughs> I, be, I bet it has. <laughs> even though I shouldn't even be going to Twitter at work either. Uh, you can follow the show at Shake Them Ruffs. You can follow Chris on Instagram at D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. We are part of the Voices Wrestling Podcasting Network. Podcasts for every kind of niche. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, Good, the Bad, the Hungy, Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich over there. And of course, the flagship with Joe and Rich. I am a member of Fight Game Media. I do the Dynamite Show live on YouTube starting about 20 minutes after Dynamite goes off the air. Myself and Paul Fontaine do a thorough deconstruction. Hey, if you're listening to old podcasts, go back to Monday's podcast on Fightful. I filled in for Denise Salcedo. I'm not nearly as good looking, but I have my own strengths. Myself and Sean Ross Sapp had a fun time for about an hour and a half talking raw on that. Chris has other interests, including pneumonia. He'll tell you about them now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm into Steven Zagal energy drinks a lot oh, these God. days. Um, so you can talk to me about Cherry Charge, which is another flavor of theirs. But I was right. Asian experience is, in fact, a flavor of Steven Seagal energy drink. Uh, so you can hear me talk about that and uh, the all-natural Tibetan goji berries and Asian cordyceps. I'm pretty sure that's the virus from The Last of Us, but that's apparently in the energy drink, as well as B vitamins and ginseng and also guararana. Um, so Look, all just those... get the ghost sour watermelon. It's the best energy drink out there to me. Is, is that a Seagal? Uh, no, no, it, no, it's not. Well, it's, I, well, then I don't give a crap. What's your favorite Seagal movie? I uh, well, I think it's uh, uh, on uh, on something ground. Uh, that's the oh, one where, oh, the one where uh, he plays Native American. Yeah, well, because he uh, as as he is fond of pointing out, he gives that speech about the environment 
12, 13 years before that that doofus Al Gore ever did, and why didn't he get the Nobel Peace Prize? Under Siege 2 is the correct answer. But um, you want to plug your guitar lessons or no? Oh, yeah. If you want guitar lessons from me, uh, you can get those by messaging me on Instagram. Um, and uh, I am still teaching them. And now more than ever, uh, I am definitely taking them on. So if you want lessons, hit me up on Instagram, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. And if you have a compilation of the best of the gambler, send it to the Discord. We'll go over it next week. On Deadly Ground. On Deadly Ground. That's it. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.